Jason Aaron, director of Back in Time, and you are listening to the Master of One podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Master of One podcast, the podcast that's all lathered up and ready for summer. In this episode, we talk about amusement parks, blue zones, and movie scores. I'm Andrew, your master of art and design. I'm Patrick, your master of sickness. And I'm Luke, your master of toys and games. So get your wide brim hats and thong sandals ready, because it's time to get toasted. As long as they're sandals, thongs are fine. every episode off by going around the table which is where we talk about something new fun and noteworthy about our weeks and uh patrick why don't you tell us about how great your week has been <laughs> oh my week so everyone should know by this point i am moving to the big state of texas and this is our you know we have a three-day holiday weekend this is our big opportunity to get stuff packed up largest um, state in the union <clears throat> yep it, big opportunity to get stuff packed up this weekend getting ready for the move and bam sickness and i have just been out the past few days so uh, i'm on day eight now i finally broke down and went to the doctor on day seven it seemed like that was a good that's it would have been long enough at that point that Mm. i should go uh i was right that i'm not dying so that's good you know probably could have saved that forty dollars uh but i do have medicine now i should recover by the time i make it to texas also i'll make it to texas just in time for your first heat wave of the year to hit. It's going to be 100 degrees every day all next week. Yes, it is. Um, It's going to be 105, I believe, on Friday. Hmm. 105. Yep. (laughs) Can you imagine what you'd feel like if you went to the doctor earlier and had been on medication this whole time? No. (laughs) This is really all I can imagine right now. (laughs) I can imagine In fact, I'm not sure I'm ever going to recover. Eight days in, it just feels like forever at this point. Um, No, yeah, I mean, I've been trying to convince McKinsey for really the past year and a half that living in Texas, the temperature, like the weather's not going to be that bad. It's going to be like you'll get used to it. It's going to be fine. Yes, it gets hot, but it's totally bearable. In our first week in the state, it's going to be above 100 100 every single day. Yeah. well, I don't know about that because it's going to be a hundred <clears throat> le- in the week leading up to you coming. I don't know what it's going to be the week that you get here. Maybe oh, you'll good. be forty. <laughs> I hope so. But I did. I did get uh, one cool thing this week. Um, so this is from. So I went and saw Solo, and oh, yeah. they had a fan event that you could go to. Uh, that they actually you got to see the movie at six o'clock instead of waiting till seven, mm-hmm. and um, you got a couple of things. You got some buttons, and you got uh, his dice. And then you also got a poster uh, that uh, is destroyed at this point. You know, I, I don't know how to explain it, but whatever that cheaper material is, that really glossy like movie poster, I have no respect for that material. And I just immediately am fine destroying It doesn't matter anything. what art is on there. No. You if, just tear if, that up. If it has that feel, yeah, that poster. If it has that feel to it, I'm just good to rip it up, throw it away. It's fine. Like, it's a fine it. poster. It's, 
His is his is in his is like a cardstock poster. Yeah. No, it's his is. Yeah, look at the look at the thickness of it. Absolutely. That's not what you had then. No, but it's still the glossy like the it feels cheap. You mean anything that's no. not screen printed? Yes, anything <laughs> that's glossy. If you give Patrick really. anything unscreen printed, he is going to tear it up. You've given me you let me know that this is junk and I could just do whatever I want to with it. So, um It's good to know on the front end. So yeah, so that, that's been most of my week. The last thing, and I think we're going to talk about it later a bit too, I fell down the hole of defunct land this week. I'd never heard of this. A half million other people have heard of it. I had not. And um, <coughs> this is channel on YouTube. They talk about closed down attractions. I watched 30 episodes. I think that's all they have so far, 30 episodes. I watched all 30 episodes in the last couple of days. I think it's fascinating. But this is the thing I want to announce. Um, they... Um, and in fact, it was either yesterday or the day before announced that they're releasing the Defunct Land book. It's an Indiegogo campaign. Uh, it funded within the first like 30 minutes or, or the first something like that. It funded very quickly. Maybe we'll just say the first day because then I know I'm right. And um, they already have 530 people, I think, that are backing it. But it's a book that talks about a lot of these closed down attractions. So pretty, pretty cool, cool thing. Just go check it out. It's very inexpensive. They have ebook versions that are like 10 or 15 bucks. Or you can get a hard uh, cover. Or if you just want to throw extra money, I, I think the most expensive tier is $60. So it, it's very, very reasonable. So go check that out. Andrew, uh, why don't you take it? Do you uh, hear how I'm falling apart? As yeah. this goes on. Well, I was hoping you stopped talking a half a uh, time ago. Because <laughs> it's just unbearable at this point. Just because I know what it's like to have to talk for like, like when you're sick, every minute you add, you like, it's diminished <coughs> returns like after the first two minutes. You're, you're just going to get more groggy and groggy sounding. I was really um, bold just then. All right, yeah. I'll talk to you at the end of the episode. Okay, good. Yeah, we'll, we'll, I'll tell you what, we'll cycle back. We'll finish things off with you so that uh, you don't have to talk for the time the, to recover. Portion. Um, so my week has been, has been relatively normal. I uh, haven't had any crazy sicknesses or um, any, anything to put me out. I completely uh, got on like a cleaning deal. I guess it's like a screen spring cleaning type thing. And, um, completely took my whole studio apart, uh, inside and out. The whole closet has been organized. Everything has been, has been, uh, um, dusted and cleaned and, and put where it belongs and everything. So I, I feel pretty good about that. Um, I think that's really it. I, I've been, I've been, um, you know, we've talked about Kickstarter quite a bit recently and I've been, I think I said this on the show, there's been some some things that have come up in the last couple of weeks on Kickstarter that have piqued my interest, but I haven't I haven't pulled the trigger on because I feel like I'm in this like this waiting game, you know, because I've I've spent a lot of money on Kickstarter in the last six months or so, and I'm waiting on those projects to be fulfilled. And it's, it's hard. There's like this mental break for me that's saying like this gap that I haven't been able to, to bridge that says, hey, it's OK to, to buy something else right now. Um, that was until I found uh, this this game that I had been kind of eyeing and I hadn't even like I, I went back to it and I, I went away from it. And I went back to it and I, and I went and I went away from it. 
back and forth, back and forth for probably about two weeks until there was about three hours left in the campaign. And um, when there were three hours left in the campaign, I, I finally decided I was going to pull the trigger and buy the game. But here's the problem. There were 3,331 uh, backers. And I thought, ah, I'm just going to wait so that I can be 3,333 with three hours left. It felt like it was all the right thing to do. Yeah, so, absolutely. So I waited and then uh, three, three... Three three, three two came up, and when it when I saw that I I backed it and became the three thousand three hundred thirty third backer with three hours left. But the uh, so it's not available anymore. A lot of people have already purchased it. So if you're big into Kickstarter, you probably already saw this come across your come across your screen. But it's called Enchanters Overlords. Um, so apparently, Enchanters. Have you heard of this game, Luke? I think so. I have to uh, let me look it up on Kickstarter or can you shoot a link? So yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll drop a link to you right now. Um so and you and for everyone else this link will also be in the show notes. Um but the the game I guess had a predecessor Enchanters I guess was a game already is a current game you can go get. This is an expanded version of that game or a a, a uh, like a second edition of that game or something but it has this new component to it called overlords i'm not going to really go into the game um because you can't get it anymore you can maybe you can pre-order it now that it's oh yeah i saw this um it looks cool what i wasn't really interested in it i well that's the thing i was like on the fence back and forth until finally um i don't know whatever it was just kind of sent me over the edge but it, it the artwork looks really fun it looks really cool um, it looks like it's an easy gameplay, but has it's moderately involved for an easy kind of gameplay. So sure. I, I decided to pick that up. So um, that that makes ten items that I have spent money on in the last six months that I have nothing to show for it yet. Yeah. So what's um, the point that you stop? At what point do I stop? Well, here's you want to know what actually pushed me over the, the edge on this one is this one is set to ship in September of this year. Right. So I should get this one. Before I even get one of the ones I got back in October of last year. Sure. So that that was part of what kind of spoke into it. Um, right now, the thing is, like the the metric that I'm using is, um, is this something that I really, like really, really want on my shelf or to, to play with or to whatever? And uh, if it doesn't hit, if it doesn't make the cut, like if I don't go back to it over and over again, then it's not, it's not worth it for me. Sure. Um, so if I don't, you know, if 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 watching the time click away on it doesn't cause me a bit of anxiety, like I'm going to miss out on something, then I'm not really it's not it's right. not going to be worth sense. my time or money. So um, so that was my week. Uh, Luke. Yeah. Why don't you take us to the end of uh, table time? OK. Um, this By the way, week- I just looked these up on eBay. These are selling for thirty four dollars right now. Cool. That's how much your ticket was, right? No, my ticket was twenty dollars. Nice. Uh, anyway, Andrew, if you want to buy these for fifty bucks, let me know. Okay. Here's a fun fact: I went to the fan event. I got the poster and the pin. Uh, the theater didn't have the dice. Kind of pissed, but whatever. Are you supposed? Was that, that was it like? Was that like a thing that everyone was supposed to have? Well, it it was an AMC thing, and my theater is a uh, Cinemark, so it might have been why they didn't have it. It might have been not a not a Cinemark fan event part. Wait, did AMC buy part? I don't understand why you had AMC. Cause it says AMC on the packaging, 
Right. This does not say AMC on oh, the packaging. Oh, the buttons don't. This says AMC exactly. right there in the corner. And so I, it's probably an exclusive. Ah. Uh, it doesn't matter. Whatever. Okay. Um, Luke, he'll sell them to you for 40 bucks. No, I'm good. I don't want them. Uh, well, I don't know what I did this week. It's been a whirlwind of just crap. Um, I did more stuff around the house. I uh, did some drywall. That was fun. Um, Does it look bad, though? No, I'm good at that oh, okay. stuff. Oh, okay. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Um, that's the kind of that's what you should save your voice for. Dropping things like that <laughs> into the conversation. <laughs> totally worth it. <laughs> um, yeah, so just doing stuff around the house, playing. Uh, I got way I fell. You're talking about falling into deep holes, Patrick. I fell into Hearthstone. I'm back in Hearthstone, playing Hearthstone. It's so good. If you don't know what Hearthstone is, it is the trade, the uh, digital trading card game by Blizzard. Same people that do World of Warcraft and Overwatch. Hearthstone is just um, a tabletop strategy game that uh, a card game that uses different uh mostly property like mostly characters and ip from um world of warcraft but it's really fun and it's it's completely free to play you can download it and play it for free you can buy packs if you want to buy packs to like get more cards and get newer stuff you can do that but um for the most part you can just play for free and it's really fun uh the boys started they each started accounts uh, it's simple enough that they kind of are learn know how to play it. Um, I figured that would be a good way to introduce like a little bit more in depth strategy into games with them, um, rather than have them try and understand something like uh, terraforming Mars or Scythe or some of those that are a lot more heavy strategy uh, things like like they already know King of Tokyo and strategy like that. But like I think this is maybe the next step. And it's fun because it's all animated and things make sounds and do different card effects when you lay it and stuff like that. So uh, they're liking it. They like collecting anything. So this is collecting for free. Um, and so if you want to play Hearthstone, I'm down. Just let me know. I'm, I'm on there all the time. Um, and you can play mobile, too. You can play. I can play on my computer. I can play on my phone. I can play on my tablet. It's it's awesome. You can play anywhere you want. Um, other than that, man, I saw Solo. I don't know if we'll ever talk about it. Maybe we'll talk about it next week. Um, my we'll initial... talk about it a little bit leading into my category. Okay, so I'll save yeah. my thoughts until then. Um, yeah. So we'll I guess do that a, makes a my super week super abbreviated. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's fine. Yeah. Um, hey, here's something that though that I think Patrick he brought up last time or like last week or the week before. And that I alluded to just a minute ago, um, we are always backing things on Kickstarter. Sometimes by the time we record, it's too late, right? Right. To jump on board with some of the stuff they were talking about. Follow us on Kickstarter. Follow myself and Luke. I don't, Patrick doesn't usually buy games on Kickstarter, but you can follow us on Kickstarter. I'm just Andrew Sale with threes instead of E's, and he's just Luke Gall, right? Yep. yep. Um, if you follow us on Kickstarter, it will notify you when we back something so you can see what we're backing in real time. You don't have to wait for the show. There so you that go. was just a, yeah, something <clears throat> that I thought about. There's a, a friendly, uh, I know a couple people from the, from the, uh, 
the podcast family follow me. And so they are always seeing the stuff that I, that I follow or the stuff that I pick up and vice versa. So, um, yeah, anyway, that's a public service announcement for you. Yeah. All right. So I think that's uh, the end of the around the table, which means up next, we're going to talk about some master categories. The master category portion of the show each week is when we get to talk about the tokens we drew the week before. And if you were around last week, you knew we had Alicia Cologne on the show and she wasn't having the normal day to day deal. She wanted to totally mix up and mess up our, our regularly scheduled programming. And so we let her cause she's our guest and, uh, it's fun to do every now, now and again. Before, so before we get a crazy situation going on, we let her. Doesn't mean every guest that comes on is going to get the opportunity to just make categories. Well, the asterisks and the caveat to that is we might say yes to a guest in the moment, but then choose to do whatever we want anyway because it's still our show and That's they're not true. there to tell us That's anything. That's true. We're adults. So <laughs> we're adults. But be that as it may, we did have her change up our categories last week. And so we, so we had amusement parks, music, and interior design. Those were the three categories that were mixed up, shuffled up, and dealt out. And Luke, what did you get? I got amusement parks. Okay, um, we'll talk about it. All right, so... Here's the thing. I had not thought about amusement parks um, in a long time. And I think I don't think about them. We've, we talk about Disney all the time, right? We've been to Disney in the course of the show. We've been to Disney probably over half a dozen times collectively. Um, and I don't think that Disney World or Land is an amusement park. I think it's a it's theme not. park. Yeah. And I think there's a distinct difference. Um, so I don't think about amusement parks that much. So amusement park would be something like Six Flags, Bush Gardens, Cedar Point, Kings Island, Knott's Berry Farm, stuff like that. Um, Disney World. Nope. <laughs> um, so it, when I got this category, I was like, oh, man, I haven't been to Cedar Point. That's the closest to me up in Sandusky. It is, I don't know, like an hour hour and a half from where I live. And I used to go there all the time and I haven't been there in a long time. So I started doing some research of just what are the new rides? What has changed? Because, um, you know, it's been a minute and they come out with a new ride every year. And so through that, I found two really cool rides. Is um, that true? They come out with a new ride every year. Cedar point usually unveils a new ride every year and Kings Island is similar. Oh, that's right. Because they shut down. Yeah, they shut down. Yeah, like, in yeah, the winter, they're, they're they seasonal parks. They, yeah, yeah, they can't do every year or year round because of winter, because Ohio. Yeah. Um, so I found two cool rides. One is at Cedar Point, and one is at Knott's Berry Farm. Um, the one at Knott's Berry Farm is called um, Hang Time, and what it is, it's just one big loop. Uh, so you're just in a loop. It looks like the you know those ones that are at your like local um, like street fair or uh, state fair like the or something? Ships? Yeah, but it's it's more like the Ring of Fire. Did you ever see that one where you're in and it just goes in circles? Oh yeah. Okay, yeah. so it's it's a lot like the Ring of Fire, except this is open air, and you're facing another two seats. So the front car is two people facing and then behind them is two people or, you know, four people facing each other. And so it's like six cars and you're facing each other. And what happens is you go in loops, but there's times where you just stop upside down and you're just hanging. Oh, yeah. it looks crazy. And it's, it's supposedly, um, 
I'm watching a digital like fly through of it right now, like a ride through. There's a couple videos on YouTube of people at, like of the actual rides, um, and it looks. I mean, it looks crazy. It looks like I don't know if I would like it. I just don't know if I would like sitting upside. I mean, you're really sitting upside down for you know moments, maybe maybe five seconds at the most. Um, yeah. But still, you're just you're just hanging upside down. Um, that's a little disconcerting to think about. Um, See, I love that. Like, I'm I'm a big roller coaster guy. Sure, I like, love roller coasters too. I just don't. I don't like the suspension, like the the drops, like the demon drop or the, you know, the tower of terror kind of uh, like, I don't like that stuff. Cause I don't like suspension and then wait for something to happen. I don't like that. I hate suspension too, Sus- but I love are you saying this is the one that you said, this is at Knott's Berry Knott's, farm, correct? Knott's Berry farm. Yeah. So, but they, they classify it as a dive. Coaster. Okay. So I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. Okay. So there, I just watched like the digital, like f- drive through of it and it doesn't pause anywhere. It does. It does in the videos I've watched of the actual mm-hmm. ride. All right, um, I'm going to go so, back and watch another one. So they're, yeah, they're classifying it as a continuous loop coaster. Um, but there's controversy because a lot of the, the coaster world is saying uh, it's a loop ride, yes, but it's not a roller coaster because it doesn't have a hill. There's no launch, um, which is, there's nothing it's actually coasting on. And they're saying it is coasting. There's propulsion to get you up and then it's coasting around. Um, so that's how they're saying it is a coaster, but it's, it's an interesting, like, um, niche kind of like argument thing going on from what I've noticed. Uh, cause I, you know, I don't know that world at all, but it's like, this is not a coaster, but to the layperson, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a type of roller coaster. So it, it looks like it starts off, uh, it looks like, cause it starts off at a 90 degree angle. It like starts off going straight up and it, that looks a lot like the, nope. That's what the video that I'm looking at it is. Hang time is just a uh, just a loop. Bro, this is saying that hang time at Knott's Berry Farms. These are all the videos that hang. Yeah, all these say Knott's Berry Farms and hang time. And it goes up. It, it climbs but it's up just in a, a 90- continuous loop, right? Mm-mm. Yeah, you're not looking at the right thing then. Okay. I don't know how I could be looking for something different. I believe you. But- <laughs> Keep going. How about I, I, you share I, with us what you're looking at? Okay. Yeah, I can do that. you send to us what you're looking at because <clears throat> everything checked out and it didn't sound like it was what you guys were talking about. Sure. Or what you were talking about. This is not at all what I see when I look up Hang Time Knott's Berry Farm. Okay. Oh, it's at Six Flags. That's why. <laughs> oh, my gosh. My bad. Uh, my bad. <laughs> oh, yeah. This and is this totally is, different. This is called The Hangover. Yes. <laughs> at six okay, flags. hang time at, at Knott's Berry Farms is a thing. Hangover. Okay, yeah, this is different. My yep. bad. My bad. This is why it's not a real category. This is why it's not a real because we're not masters of it. Um, Re- this is this is real time fact checking. Everybody, yeah, that's fine. It's it's all. How good. many times does this spin you around? I don't. How many times know. do you loop? I don't know. Upwards of thirty minutes. No. What? <laughs> <laughs> I th- well, I, I ask say- because if I remember right, the most inversions, like the current record is 14, which is held by a ride at Alton Towers. And uh, if this is only a giant loop, it wouldn't be surprised me if you beat that, if it if it now beats that record. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Six it, it loops. Would have to. Huh? Six loops in 90 seconds. You only do six loops? Yep. 
That That's sounds like, awful. That sounds weak to me. That sounds like weak sauce. Go look at Hang Time. <laughs> that <laughs> looks great. Far. That one looks way better. <laughs> All right. So so that's that's the one at, at Six Flags. Um, the second ride, it's fine. It doesn't matter. <laughs> the second ride is at Cedar Point, and it has broken almost every coaster record. It's called Steel Vengeance, and it is a hybrid so that it's it's wood and metal construction. Um, here's the record that's broken. Tallest hybrid coaster, fastest hybrid, steepest drop on a hybrid, longest drop on a hybrid, uh, world's longest hybrid coaster, most inversions on a hybrid, fastest airtime hill on a hybrid, most airtime on a hybrid, most airtime on any roller coaster, world's first hyper-hybrid roller coaster, um, it's crazy. It goes to 205 feet high. The first drop is 200 feet. Um, the whole ride is two and a half minutes long. It's a pretty long ride. The yeah, it is. I'm watching the video for it right now. It's it gets eerily close to the ground. Yes. Also eerily close to the, the street. sky. <laughs> oh well, yeah. No, well, yeah. The, the, like when when you're starting the ride off. Yeah. There's only a a small fence between you and the highway next to yep. it that seems like that would be like a a, a liability issue you know if people hopping the fence the and getting on the sure. yeah um but it's it looks amazing i'm definitely gonna try and hit it this sometime this summer uh so this coaster opened this year mm-hmm. it will open this month i should say right. back on my birthday may 5th and there was an accident where a car bumped into another car and four people had to be treated. Sure. It was also, at the loading yeah, it, area. It, it broke records for most broken bodies. <laughs> yes. Um, this thing looks awesome. It, it looks does look in- awesome. insane. The drop is almost, I don't know if it's inversion, like an inverted drop. It, it's hard to tell from any of the, the pictures and it doesn't say that, but it looks like it's like a 90 degree drop. It, it almost. Um, for the first hill, Patrick, you would be you would break the record for uh, head decapitated. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I, I will never this, go. It, on go, it goes through. It goes through itself. Yeah. like it goes. It goes into itself, and it looks like it's only just tall enough for the smallest human being possible to ride it. Yeah, um, I'd be afraid to ride it. <laughs> it looks awesome. I mean, it looks like. I mean, it just looks incredible. It looks like it's going to be super scary and super fun. That first hill is always, to me, terrifying because I don't love heights. Like, I'm okay if I'm in a tall building, like, looking out, if I know that everything around me is is secure, you know. Uh, but going up to the top of the coaster and you just, as you're cresting that hill, it's it's just you slow down, you know, by design. That is always terrifying to me. I hate it. And going up 205 feet... It really depends on how fast you go up as to how scared I am. Because sometimes you go like slow up up the hill and it, it's more scary. Some hills are actually, you go pretty fast and you're like, okay, I'm, I mean, we're going up high, but it's kind of, it's moving along. So I'm not, I'm not that worried about it. Um, but I will definitely ride it and I would definitely be scared at the top, I imagine. So um, I want to ride that ride with Patrick in front well he's in front no you were in you were behind us 
on Space Mountain. Oh gosh. <laughs> and I, I will forever I hated remember that. I hated that for the Patrick. back of our seat just being pounded. Just boom, 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 boom. No, no, You're like, no, get me no, off this no. ride, get me off of this ride, get me off of this. There were expletives. I'm leaving those out for the edit. Um, Feel bad for the children on that ride. Oh my gosh. I, I never, like I thought there was a moment where I thought, He's just going to break it and fly out in the middle of the ride. Just get he'll get off at the top inside of this ride and he'll be dead and we'll never see him because it'll be dark. (laughs) It could not have been done soon enough. And the thing, well, I was going to comment about the ride itself. My eyes were shut. I have no idea because I was just like clinching in pain. So I I couldn't see anything. I couldn't feel any movement because I was wedged so tightly into the car. Um, <laughs> so you're awful. saying if you would have broken it, you would have just been stuck inside anyway. So you would have. You, there you there was no getting him out. out of it. Yeah. The 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 worst feeling that I had in the pit, I had it in the pit of my stomach was <clears throat> you had gotten down in and, and we were all waiting to see if you were going to fit because you're so massively tall. Right. And you get in the back and the thing comes down and everyone's like, OK, he's down into it. And then we pulled forward just a little bit, but we weren't out of the gate. Right. yet. And you started to panic and you said, I need to get off this ride. I need to get off this ride. And no one heard you. And then they sent us on our way. And I and instantly yeah. I looked over at Luke and we were just looking at each other like, oh, no, our friend's going to be dead. Yeah. Like, this is it. This is the it end. The moment no, it of, could have derailed. Of, we and could flipped we 10 can't times have fun right now. Moved. We can't have fun. Yeah. I did though. I did have fun. Here's <laughs> the thing. Like it was really good. And here's the thing about closing your eyes: you didn't miss anything because it's all dark. Yeah. Well, no, they right. had that. They had that ghost overlay. Yeah, that was the right. Halloween one. It was, right. like, it was haunted. Um, anyway. So yeah. So that's that's my amusement parks. Now the other thing is Patrick mentioned in our Discord. If you uh, m one podcast dot com slash Discord slash family. Wait, what is it? Slash family? All of those. Slash yeah. Discord, slash family, slash Slack. They all get slash you. Slash cool. GeoCities. Anyway, they get you to our Discord. Patrick mentioned it this week that he fell down the, the defunct land uh, hole. And so I started watching them. And it's super interesting. The first season seems like it's a lot of Disney. Uh, the second season is a lot of everything else. So they talk about... Uh, I watched the Back to the Future ride. I watched the Ghostbusters um, show. I watched uh, Captain EO. Oh, the Ghostbusters show. Yeah, the Ghostbusters show at Universal Studios. Studios. Um, I watched, uh, there was Was one of- Was that where Twister was? Twister took the place Twister's gone now. Yeah, well, Twister took the place of Ghostbusters. Had they kept Ghostbusters, uh, probably would have paid off for them a little bit more. And I think that's what they say in the video. Um- there was, I mean, they've talked about everything. They talk about um, Adventure Park, which is another like smaller amusement park. Action uh, Park. That's what it is, Action Park. Um, if y'all don't know this story about Action Park, there's a lot of people that have done little 10, 15 minute documentaries. Go watch one. Isn't it there is a movie? Wasn't there, or it's coming out, a movie based on Johnny Action Knoxville Park. Johnny yeah. Knoxville is doing a movie based off Action Park. Yes. Yeah. Oh, um, that, it's a real, it's a real place. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's doesn't exist anymore. Right. I think eight or they, a lot of people refer to it as class action park. Right. I think like eight or 10 people died there. Um, but it's, it's fascinating hearing this, about. So this movie is, is an homage to it or. It's kind uh, of the story of how it started loosely. I mean, it's okay. also a comedy. Which, given Johnny Knoxville's love of physical humor. Right. You can imagine it's going to work very well together. Right. Yeah. Um, huh. 
So I have another thing to take us to after Defunct Land, but Patrick, do you want to mention anything about it? Um, I'll probably talk about it more in depth in the future. Uh, yes, the first season is almost entirely Disney. Second season is a lot of uh, Cedar Point, Kings Island, Universal, Knott's Berry, a lot of that type of stuff. I think that for me, uh, wanting to understand more about the history of, of these parks, because we've talked to a lot of very knowledgeable people on the show, especially around Disney. Um, it is a great way to understand the the people, the decision makers, uh, how things have evolved to where they are now. Um, I, the thing that is fascinating to me is at that budget, that caliber, the people involved, how many bad decisions are made. Sure. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fascinating. Um, uh, the times things are like, I think Euro Disney, uh, which is now, uh, Disney Paris, um, hearing a lot about what it went into the launch, uh, of that, uh, park and the decisions that were made and the things that were missed. Uh, it is just endlessly interesting to me. Sure. So, um, but anyway, if you want to learn more about the history, especially of Disney and universal, uh, watch some of those. Um, and then I would say my favorite, um, single thing that I, I fell into was Nara dreamland. So if you're unfamiliar with Nara dreamland, uh, go, go Google that, find some videos about the history of it again, just really, really cool stuff. So, um, okay. So it, defunct land is, it's okay. I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily love it, but it's fine. Um, it's a whole, so here's the thing about it. It's a whole lot of information. Like it's a, I imagine producing one of those episodes takes months just because it's just getting so much of that information, um, to put into a like 10 to seven to 12 minute episode, something like that. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, kudos to that guy. Um, I fell into so in the like in the up next on YouTube or the the um, suggested content. I then fell into homemade roller coasters, and there's oh, just man. tons of videos of people who have made their own roller coasters in their backyard. Uh, some of them like going using their like shed as the hill as the main hill of like going up over their shed and then going into a loop like a one. And these are like anything from. You know, small kid like uh, they have their kids on these things, like like one little cart with a you know a steering wheel, and it looks like an airplane um, going all up and down these these hills and uh, around these turns and stuff. And then the one with the loop I saw is this dude just strapped into like a a racing chair that he put a like a a carriage harness on for the for the uh, you know the track tubes. And he just goes up over his shed and down and then into a one-man <laughs> one loop. Um, he said he tested it before the the track was uh, finished before, and it just went into the grass. He tested it because he, he tried with sandbags and it didn't give the right uh, proof of concept. So he decided to try it himself. And with it himself. <laughs> it um, worked. Yeah, it worked. Oh, my um, goodness. But it's just amazing. Like some of them have like, um, you know, mechanisms to pull the carts up the hill. Some of them are just like you pull it, uh, you push it up with like either with your hands and it's just high enough. You know, it's like for your, for kids, it's high enough that you can push them up to the top of the hill. Another guy had like a big pole that he was using to push the back of the cart up this hill. Um, 
it's just amazing. They're mostly wood. Some of them are me- metal. Some of them are like the tube or PVC pipe tube, all like molded together. It's it's fascinating. Um, the idea that somebody built a roller coaster in their backyard because I think it's like it's more like fearsinating. It's because well, the it's amazing. Like if it works, that's great. Like a, I would imagine a, a kid growing up ha- have a roller coaster in their backyard. That's just awesome. But what happens when your kid gets older and then it's just you have a roller coaster in your backyard? And some of these are very dangerous. Oh, I know. But some of them, I mean. It's just, I don't know. It's incredible. It's an incredible. No, 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 no. Here's the deal. All of them are very dangerous. None of them are regulated. (laughs) I don't care who. (laughs) I don't care. Nope, you couldn't get me. Oh, you could. You could pay me to to ride one for sure. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's that's a fun time on uh, YouTube for an hour or so if you want to just look at homemade roller coasters. Uh, but that's my category. I think we will go to Andrew. Yeah, that's that's a good idea. Um, so uh, just to give Patrick a little bit more time to uh, rest up. Uh, but we're coming to you next, Patrick. Um, so like I said at the beginning of this episode, um, we uh, we're not at the beginning of the master category time. We saw we all saw Solo. And Solo, um, whether you like it or not, I think we're going to do a quick little mini review of, not a review, a rating. We're not going to like go into it at yeah, all. Yeah, no spoilers Just a quick, or anything. A quick rating of the movie. Where would you put the, where would you put the movie uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, guys? Um, I and, think, and why? And why? Uh, I think I gave, do you, does anybody remember what I gave The Last Jedi? Was it like a 4 or a 5? It was something I low. Can't remember, I was like a nine or a ten. I gave it very high marks. Right. Yeah. I gave it low marks, and I still yeah, hold did. by that. Um, I will give Solo a eight. An eight. I loved it. I loved it. Patrick. Oh man. Um. I. By the way, I stand by my remarks on Last Jedi. That that is still up to date. Sure. Um. Is uh Solo? Da, 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 I have some. Big problems. Watching it, it was a lot of fun. I'm confident giving it a seven or an eight. Um, it really was enjoyable. I'm fine saying that it was an eight watching it. I have some big problems that I want to talk about, and we'll talk about them later. Okay. Uh, I've given it an eight. It was mine, a solid eight. Um, it was a lot of fun in the moment. It gave me a lot of what I wanted. There was some stuff that I felt like was was heavy-handed, Um and was just a little bit convoluted, and and for that I I would deduct it. But it was a very fun ride. Um, a couple of the little spoilers or the couple of little surprises that happened in the movie were very fun, and I thought that was that was cool. And and also open up the series to become what what we know might be coming next um, in terms of some of these kind of one shot movies, but all, for all these movies to tie together, there was some stuff that happened in this one that kind of set the stage for it, which I'm really excited for. But anyway, one of the things that I loved about it is what I'm going to be talking about today. So the movie felt wholly different than maybe every other star Wars movie in a, in a lot of ways, just the, the pacing of it and everything seemed very, it just seemed a little bit different. It seemed a little bit more like rogue one, um, than, the the traditional trilogies of Star Wars that we've been um, that we've all kind of grown up with and and know and love, um, but there was one point 
in the movie and one of the biggest one of the biggest um stars of the Star Wars franchise isn't even one of the characters but it's the music right so John Williams has been the the for um the the forerunner of composing all of the music in all of the Star Wars main trilogy arcs the entire time he's done all of them and so you know when you hear the uh that whole deal like the ballad um it just does something to you sure like you you get excited you see that's when you start seeing the the credit scroll that's when you start seeing all this stuff and and it's and it just there's something about that if you grew up with star wars and you grew up loving star wars that takes you back instantly to that moment and for me, it gives me chills, makes me a little teary-eyed, um, makes me happy. It just it just takes me back there. Um, well, this movie was not done by John Williams. Uh, a guy named John Powell did the bulk of the 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 music composition for um, for the movie. John Williams did work on Han Solo's song, um, and there was this moment. And here's wh- wh- where this the whole thing is going to tie together, and we're going to have a quick discussion. Um, it was the music was done by by John Powell and it was great. I, I have no issues yeah. or qualms with it whatsoever. But there was this this there is a slight disconnect for me on the music from this as opposed to Force Awakens, Empire Strikes Back, you know, any of the uh, even even in the uh, the prequels, um, there was still this component that there was this thing that just felt right and felt like we were at home. Um. And then there was this one moment in the movie where, uh, and I'm not going to give anything away, but there's this one moment in the movie where Han and Chewie sit pilot, co-pilot, right? Captain, co-captain um, in the in the Millennium Falcon. And when that hits, everything felt right. And the music seeps in and everything felt like, this is Star Wars. This gave me chills. This is the right moment. And come to find out, John Williams is the one who did that score. Han Solo's uh, song is um, is John Williams. And so for me, it was this moment, and, and you see it at the end. Like, I waited and watched it in the credits <coughs> to see. And sure enough, John Powell did the bulk of the score, but, but John Williams did that one, where that made the movie feel like Star Wars to me. And so it made me start thinking about this track and I had, I had music. That was what I, I drew um, last week. How important music is to film. And so I wanted to know from you guys, what are some of the quintessential, like what, what are some movies that would not be what they are without the score um, that they have? I'll start things off for me anyway, and then you guys can, can take your pick. Um, does it have to be a score or can it be a soundtrack? Um, I would say score. I mean, yeah, let's just stick to score because soundtrack is, is great too, but sound soundtrack is just a, it's a curation, not a, not a creation. So I think that's maybe a little bit different. Um, yeah, let's stick to score for at least this conversation, recognizing that they both have their place. Um, but for me, the one movie that would not be the same, um, without the score is uh, Steven Spielberg's Jurassic Park. Like, for me, that movie, um, the, the, when you hear the, like, the, the, the gates open up, and you, as soon as the That's gates good. open, you get the, 
with the strings and the deep, uh, like the deep kind of guttural sounds that come with that music, it like encapsulates to me the idea of a theme park that is built for dinosaurs. Like that song is that for me. And the movie would not be the same if it were a different, a different score. Uh, another one is, um, is Gremlins. The little, the, the song that, that uh, the Mogwai sing, that Gizmo sings, it's just like a, a little, you know, a little eight to 12 note little com- composed song, uh-huh. but that lives, it lives throughout the whole movie and you can hear it pick up and kind of uh, swell in different points of the movie and it, and it takes me back. Um, and there was one other one that we just, that we just watched and I'm blanking on it right now. Maybe I'll, maybe it'll come back to me when you guys are talking. What are some movies that, that without the soundtrack or without the, without the score, they wouldn't be the same for you? Um, oh, go ahead. Doesn't matter. Well, I've got a few. Um, I do too. But my first one I think that comes to me is Dunkirk. Mm. Um, Dunkirk, uh, there's a couple of things. So Dunkirk is, is messing with time throughout the film. So there's actually three separate stories that are, um, there's three separate stories that are happening, but they're happening over different time periods. One is taking place over, uh, I want to say it's like uh, like a few hours. One is taking place over a week, and one is taking place, over, I think, over like two months or, or a month or something like that. It's been a minute since I've seen the film. And so time plays very heavily into the film. Um, and so one of the things you get is this in, like this constant like ticking noise all the time through, throughout the film, um, kind of like... Um, <clears throat> just rooted. In addition, there's a technique that is used in the sound called a shepherd tone. And what it is, is it's, it's this ascending tone that keeps repeating, but it gives you this sense of this like swell that just never ends. And it feels like it's always getting grander and grander and grander and grander. The reality is it's just this repetitious, uh, again, this ascending tone that keeps repeating, but it works so very well in these big, uh, you know, these, there's some incredibly like stressful moments. Certainly there's combat moments. There's, um, uh, there's a lot of time that when nothing is, how do I say this? There's a lot of time where you're, where you're, it's leading up to a big moment and you're waiting on it. And to have that constant building and rising under the action just does a lot for the already amazing cinematography. So I love Dunkirk. Uh, the other one that was recent that stands out to me that I was surprised you didn't say Andrew was Annihilation. I know that that added That's a lot to list. that film. Yeah, yeah, that added a lot to that film. And um, <clears throat> uh, but that was more that it just it so well fit the. I mean, certainly it was dramatic in the right points, and it and it lifted the scenes at the right points. But just something about the the tone and the shape and everything of the music just so well fit the world that they were set in uh, within the Shimmer. Um, yeah. Now, as a bonus, soundtrack, no soundtrack has ever elevated a movie more than the soundtrack for Warm Bodies because without that soundtrack, that movie was garbage and that soundtrack made it bearable. You so good job, soundtrack that. to Warm Bodies. Anyway, Luke, go ahead. Um, okay, so for mine, the first one that I thought of, uh, this is, you can't have this movie without this. If If you didn't have this score... It would be a totally different movie. Uh, Home Alone. That's one that mm, yep. is, it's that's perfect. That's a good one. Um, that's Danny Elfman. No, it's, it's not. It's that's John, John Williams. Williams. Yeah. That's John Williams. Um, 
Super good. Uh, another, you know, uh, mentionable nod, if you're talking Danny Elfman, is the Frightener soundtrack, which is really good. Uh, the movie's garbage, and the soundtrack doesn't save it. Um, but the Frightener soundtrack is really fun, Danny Elfman music. Um, the other two that came to mind when you, when you asked that question uh, initially were Blade Runner 2049. Um, that was uh, going to be... Um, Johan Johansson, uh, but instead, at the last minute, um, the director changed it to Hans Zimmer and Ben Walfish. Uh, and that score, it, it, it just feels perfect for the world that we're in. It, it just it works really well. It adds the right notes. Um, I think it changed a lot. It, I mean, if I think of when that came out, I mean, it's, it's not been that long, but the movies that have come since... Even Annihilation, I think, plays off some of the ideas that came from that score as far as how they hit those uh, dramatic notes at the right time. Um, and then the other one that uh, was maybe the predecessor to Blade Runner was Sicario, and that was uh, Johan Johansson. And that film, um, that score just makes all of the tension and all of the apprehension of that movie come alive. Like you actually really feel it. Um, that score is, is super good. Um, I think those would be my three. I mean, I, Annihilation well, was another one, but Patrick said it. So let me, I'll throw in one more real quick. Now this is, I would consider this a score because this was all original music written for this feature. Now this was actually for a documentary, but Brocker Way did the music for Battered Bastards of Baseball. And that music did such a great job of embodying this idea of uh, baseball nostalgia, you know, from decades past. Mm. It, it just really uh, uh, did it in a great way. Um, so that's, uh, that's another one I was just listening to. If you've watched the documentary Wild Wild Country, you've also heard um, Brocker Way's music because he also did a lot of the music for that as well. But Battered Bastards of Baseball, I think, is a really great example of, uh, 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 you know, in this case, a documentary that was elevated because of the music. Um, so I remembered one uh, of the other ones that I was thinking of. And for me, that uh, and this isn't, this isn't changed. I'm not asking you to change your answers. Those are all great answers. Neither one of you, I think, Luke, you said one, but the other of the six or seven other ones that were mentioned were all newer movies, like sure. newer genre movies. Um, you said Home Alone, which brings back some of the nostalgia from when we were kids. Right. That's kind of the what I was thinking more, but that's fine. Um, that's just the track that my head was on. Like when I hear that music, it does something to me. It takes me into the world. Mm -hmm. And and now when I hear the music, it takes me back to that world. Sure. Like that's kind of the idea. Um, but uh, Danny Elfman's Edward Scissorhands. Oh, sure. Um, like anything, anything Danny Elfman, I feel like um, he brings with it this like Edward Scissorhands. If you think about what that is, that movie would not feel as creepy, but also approachable without Danny Elfman. Sure. You know what I mean? It's not epic by any stretch of the imagination. It's almost kind of contained. If that's a, if that, if that makes sense. It's, yeah. uh, it feels very isolated at the same time. There's, there's that he uses, um, off notes and really weird keys to help you feel eerie. But at the same time, it's inviting and, and welcoming. Um, that's one that, uh, for me, it takes me back and the movie would not be the same, uh, with, without Danny Elfman's music. But here's the other one, um, that 
is more modern um, that I kind of that I thought of when you said yours, Patrick. Sandre Lierke did the entire soundtrack or the the score. I guess you'd call it a score still because it's all created specifically for the movie. But for Dan in real life, hmm. um, that music that music absolutely helps make the movie. And here's why I, I think that's that's true um, in this case. He wrote and performed it on set while scenes were happening. He Weird. felt the tension. Yeah, he felt the tension in the room. He felt the the acting, the action, the acting. He, he was listening to the dialogue. He read, you know, he he read the script. Created this music around the relationships and the dialogue and the action um, that happens in the film, and it absolutely feels hand in glove a part of this film and wouldn't fit any other film in my opinion. Um, so if you've not watched Dan in real life, that's a great movie. The, the, uh, score or the soundtrack to that movie is absolutely, um, beautiful and, and super amazing by Sandre Lirke. Um, all right. That was mine. Uh, we, we do want to hear what yours are. So if you're in the discord channel, hop in there and let us know what your favorite movie score is or a mu- movie scores that take you back to a place or movies that couldn't have existed the way that they do without their their musical companions. So uh, let us know what those things are. Patrick, I think uh, you're taking us home. That's right. So are either of you familiar with the idea of blue zones? No. <clears throat> okay, let me let me back up. I have interior design this week. This is a BS category. It's stupid. <laughs> I just want everybody to know that. <laughs> Thanks, Alicia. But it does actually remind me of something that um, I was just talking about this past week, so I guess it works. So I will tie this back in, but let's first detour for a second. So the idea of a blue zone is a place in the world where people tend to live uh, the longest, have the healthiest lives, um, and tend to be very happy. Um, and in fact, in these, these zones, I think there's five that have been identified that people tend to live to be close to 100 years old. In fact, one of these areas holds the world record for the most, um, I, don't, I think the word is centarians, like people over 100. They had, I think, like 20 at one time or something like that. Wow. Um, and they're, they're, they are cities uh, in the country. So as far as uh, which ones they are, that would have been great for me to have open. Um, Okinawa is one. Um, Sardinia is one. Loma Linda, which is a place in California, um, <clears throat> the Nicoya Peninsula in Costa Rica, and then there's a Greek island called Icaria. Uh, those are, are the blue zones that were identified. Now, the, these first popped up. I, I want to say this was in uh, 2006. Uh, there was a, an article written by a guy for National Geographic, and, and since then, people have kind of really, and he did a lot of research about it, but really diving in into what makes these people live such long lives and things like that. And, and certainly... Uh, I mean, some of the big things, of course, has to do with diet. It has to do with you're always having physical activity, um, the amount of social relations you have. Uh, it turns out um, not just social, but religious ties, um, uh, the amount of stress that you feel. There's all these things that, that that go into it. I'll put a list in the show notes. You can look up like the blue zone list and you'll see like all these habits. But <clears throat> the big thing that I want to talk about in relation to interior design is how you can tie that into the way that you set up your house. Um, Said in a weird way, it is very important that you make your life moderately inconvenient Um, Hmm. because you need to force yourself to have to move around. 
the problem is that we're very sedentary. I mean, I, I, as, I mean, I think of me, my, myself especially because my job is sitting at a computer and then I go home and when I do my hobby, I sit at a computer and then I watch TV and like that's, you can imagine that there's not a lot of movement involved in that. And yeah. so the people that tend to have the healthiest lifestyles, a couple things, uh, you don't have a, a TV in your bedroom. That's an easy one. But also, um, you eat your food in an actual dining room. That's important as well. So you don't actually take it to where you like into a living area. The other thing is, this is going to sound funny. You sit on the floor and all the, like if you use remotes for the TV or no, I'll take this back. You don't use remotes. If you want to adjust the TV, you have to stand up and go to the TV and adjust it. Um, there's wait, hold on. I have some other ones. Um, but the the point is, I'll, I'll think of just a second, or you'll just don't, read them off the don't list. Don't wear adult <laughs> diapers. Yeah, like go actually to go to the bathroom. Actually go to the bathroom. But the point is, if you have your remotes with you and your food with you, and you're not forced to move, then you. Oh, the other thing is, don't do buffet style eating. So, and you only ever fix small plates. So if you want more food, you have to stand up. You have to go to get more food. You only get a small portion, and then you come back. So it prevents Wait, so you from doing. Isn't that buffet style eating? <clears throat> No, no, no. I'm thinking. No, no. I'm. Thi- I'm sorry. I said buffet style, but what I meant was um, like the family style. That's what I meant. Uh, family okay, style. Okay, okay. So you don't ever do family style. So no family style. Um, you socialize away from the food, right? Mm-hmm. Um, again, you don't use any remotes. You don't put a TV in your bedroom. Um, the other one of the other things on the list is getting a dog. That's actually a big thing on the list because again, it it brings physical activity. Sure. Um, into like you actually have to go outside a couple of times every day. It, it forces. So anyway, so the, the big, the biggest idea is set up your environments where they promote constant movement, mm-hmm. constant activity. Uh, it doesn't have to be intense. You know, I don't, I shouldn't have to sprint somewhere to go do something. It doesn't have well, to be intense to activity. Intense anyway. It just needs to be consistent, moderate activity. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think that's very interesting. And certainly as we're getting ready to move because we're moving and what we're a couple You're days late. You're getting a dog. Don't say, hold nope. That costs, that costs more money because then yep. I didn't pay for that with my lease. This yep. is a rental. There won't be I'm a dog. And, and inevitably <clears throat> she listens. Your landlord listens to the show. Yeah. Well, I know McKenzie listens to the show, so no false hope. <laughs> you want a dog more than you want a child. No, that's not true because a child will eventually grow out of it. Yeah, and child is tax deductible. <laughs> and a child could maybe make me money one day. Um, there's a lot of things a child could do that a dog just will never do for me. Um, so it really gets me to thinking as I'm moving, how am I going to set up my house in such a way that it forces some of this uh, in my new environment? So yes, blue zones, go check them out. See what, you know, what are the activities that if you adopt will likely lead to, uh, to greater longevity and health and who knows, maybe even happiness. That's not a guarantee, but maybe, um, anything y'all want to add to that? Well, I have a question then. So what, so what are some of the things as you're moving and you're getting ready to reset up a house, you know what it looks like in there, you know, the setup somewhat, is there anything you're choosing to do? Maybe not what would traditionally be done to help promote these, this, you know, inconvenient lifestyle? I think a very easy one is my phone charger shouldn't be sitting beside my bed because then that leads to me like using my phone and staying up and, and whatever. So, 
Uh, and then also the same thing with a TV being in a bedroom. So I think removing the phone from the bedroom, removing TV from the bedroom. Um, and then now the, the tougher thing is less for how I situate my house and it's more for just daily activities, but it's the, where do I find the break between I have work, I have a hobby. They both revolve around a computer. So how do I make them more active? Um, that that's the tougher nut to crack right now. And that has less to do with how I set up my house. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that all, that all makes a ton of sense. And honestly, given how much you hate, you hated this topic. I think you did a good job with it. <laughs> like it would have been, that's, it's a, a bit of a, it weaves the two things that you like to do. It's new information and it's a public service announcement. <laughs> So there we go. It's like it has Patrick written all over it. Um, well, uh, I think that's going to be it for this episode, right? Yeah. So what you've learned, uh, we'll just recap. Uh, go see Solo, um, and uh, don't build your own roller coaster, and throw away your TV remotes, or try yeah. your own roller coaster. Patrick will, will nope. not ride it. Andrew will ride it. If you I pay will. him, I will watch. I- <laughs> on YouTube from the comfort and safety of his own home. Sedentarily. Uh, Luke has what he calls black zones. <laughs> it's just as <laughs> he, he wants the least amount of, of movement, thinking, anything progressing his body in, in any way, shape, or form, or mind. That's where he wants to be. <laughs> I like it. I stand by it. Um, we're going to get out of this episode, though. You can find us on mf1podcast.com where you can find show notes and links to all the stuff that we just talked about in the, the links below if you're watching this on YouTube. While you're on YouTube, uh, follow us. Uh, subscribe to the channel. Like this video. Share this video. Go and watch a bunch of our other videos. Like and share those as well. Uh, if you're listening on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, any of those, subscribe, rate, and review. It is so simple. It helps us out so, so much. It doesn't cost you any money. If you want to support the show financially, you can go to patreon.com slash mf1podcast and become a patron, or you can go to shop.mf1podcast.com and get some cool swag to go along with your support. Uh, and it's and it's a good, good time. It, it helps us out so much. We, we love what we're doing. We love to continue to um expand it and grow it and do more with it and uh it's honestly because of the support of you guys that we're able to to do that so please go do that it is it's very very helpful um what else are we missing oh we are now on timed edition so we are one of the contributors over at timed edition if you have not visited that site yet go do it there are just such incredibly talented creatives um and professionals putting out content there uh, each and every day. It's a really, really cool site. Go check out timededition.com and see what you're missing now. I think for now, we're going to get out of this episode, though. I'm Andrew. I'm Patrick. And I'm Luke. Peace out. Help me. Bye. Hold on your butts. (laughs) 